Well, friends, I'm uh, continuing this weekend um, the series I'm doing during Lent on the three disciplines or practices of Lent, diving deeper into almsgiving, fasting, and prayer. Last week, I, I think I had kind of an almsgiving overload of information. And so we're going to split fasting up into a couple different uh, Sundays. I want to focus today on the benefits of fasting that are just sort of general human life benefits. Um, I'm going to say today, I think what could be given by non-believing psychologist or life coach of some kind, the benefits of fasting that sort of bracket the spiritual and theological considerations of, of fasting. And again here, I think Jesus was kind of like ahead of his time. He was cutting edge, right? There were advocates for fasting in ancient times, but Jesus puts that before us as something that we need to do as a kind of recipe or formula for our full freedom and flourishing. But it's interesting how um, fasting has become really trendy lately. Like how many of you have dabbled in the world of intermittent fasting? Raise your hand if you've dabbled in that uh, world. All right, if you don't know what this is, don't worry about it. Uh, I, I kind of dabble in it myself, not very well. Um, and to call it a trend in dieting would offend intermittent fasting people, but um, it's this view of, of uh, fasting for extended periods of time and only eating in certain windows of time. And if you look up websites, it's alleged to have, had, alleged to have tons of health benefits, and so on, the most common is the 16-8 intermittent fast where you eat during just an eight-hour window each day and then you fast uh, for 16 hours overnight and some of the other days and so on. So fasting is kind of like trending now. And I, I kind of want to say that like we've been doing this for a long time. You know, like you're kind of late to the game society uh, over what Jesus was espousing for us uh, a long time ago. Here's the instinct of fasting. Too much of a good thing can actually be a bad thing. Too much of a good thing can actually be a bad thing. That's the instinct of fasting. I think that quote is from Mark Twain. There's a second part to the quote. He says, too much of a good thing can be a bad thing, but too much whiskey is never a bad thing. <laughs> We're going to focus on the first part of it today. Maybe next time we'll do the second part. But that's, that's the, the instinct of fasting. Too much of a good thing can actually be a bad thing. Notice a couple of things about that. We're saying too much of a good thing. right? The Christian sense is not that we deny ourselves because created things are bad. Not because we're trying to extinguish human nature and human desire. Not because of any of that. We're foregoing or restraining ourselves from the possession or acquisition of certain goods, the enjoyment of certain goods, precisely because they're good, but they have a proper context. They have a proper timing for their expression. And that if we get totally consumed in a good thing, it can actually lead to bad things. So I want to talk about uh, a few things that I think fasting protects and preserves within us. 
cultivating a spirit of fasting. And when I mean fasting here, and this will be clear from the next few remarks, I don't mean just food or even predominant food. It's fasting from any created thing that has the potential to develop within us an excessive attachment. Any created thing that has the potential to develop within us an excessive attachment. So what does fasting do for us? Number one, fasting allows us to appreciate what we actually have. Fasting allows us to appreciate what we actually have. I want to get at this by looking at the process of spoiling. We talk about spoiling a child, right? which I will certainly be doing to my new nephew. Even though in a few minutes I'm going to say, well, we shouldn't be spoiling a child. But that's what parents, parents are, or not spoiling. So aunts and uncles and grandparents are for spoiling, right? Think about what happens when we spoil someone. When we spoil someone, we oversaturate them with too many objects too quickly. Let's use a toy for a child. When we spoil a child, we oversaturate the child with too many objects of stimulation too quickly. And what happens then? The child is never able to exhaust the different aspects of the toys that they already have. Right? They never actually explore and exhaust all the different possibilities of enjoyment with what they actually have. You start training them to just look for the next thing. You start to form them in just waiting for the next toy. In fact, we actually train someone in boredom when we spoil them. Because what we teach them is, right, this, this is just sort of your thing to wait for the next thing. So we never actually enjoy what's in front of us. We never actually appreciate what's in front of us because we've been trained in constantly being on the lookout for the next toy. And so when we fast, when we fast, what we're saying, right, is I'm going to fight the urge, the need to have the next best thing. Right? Having nice things is not a bad thing, but I'm going to fight the need to have it. The need that I'm always looking forward to the next thing that can saturate my desires. No, no, no. I fast and I'm going to sit here and appreciate and explore and exhaust what I actually have. So fasting allows us to appreciate and to have gratitude for what we actually have in front of us. The second thing is fasting allows us to develop a spirit of freedom and spontaneity about responding to what's important right in front of us. So there are many things in life that we can become so consumed with, so excessively attached to that we have blinders on. And we can miss often what's important and valuable right in front of our eyes. There are many things that could do that, but I think personally the biggest culprit of that today is technology and social media. Right? We've all been to a gathering where you could be enjoying each other's company, but in fact, everybody 
is looking down at their phones. Right? Technology has the ability and is in fact built right, to get us to not be okay with what's in front of us. Right? How many of you have seen the Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma? Yeah, so it's very powerful. If you haven't seen it, it's a bunch of old social media execs who talk about how this stuff is built. This stuff is built precisely to not allow us to develop impulse control. The whole funding structure of social media, because there's no money in the platform, is for advertisements, which means that getting you to click, right, and getting you to constantly be stimulated is the only way they make money. And so they are built and they're designed in order to get us completely hooked. What they're designed for. It's kind of like, you know the impulse buy section at the grocery store, right before you leave? You know, it's hard not to, to uh, grab those candy bars, right? Technology is like one eternal line of impulse buys. And so, one of the things that we can do is Fasting is meant to make sure that we put reasonable boundaries and set reasonable um, uh, fences around the things that don't allow us to enjoy what's in front of us. So I primarily advocate, students probably get sick of this, but I primarily advocate for young people today during Lent to fast from different aspects of technology and social media. Forget pizza and chocolate. You know, now, if you're really addicted to pizza and chocolate, you still give that up. But generally speaking, we're much more addicted to our phones than we are to pizza and chocolate. Um, find areas, creative ways, where we can fast from our impulse that we don't seem to have a ton of control over at times uh, for technology and social media. So fasting is meant, fasting is meant to allow us Right, to live with a kind of freedom and spontaneity in the present precisely because we're not so consumed or excessively attached uh, to something. Technology and social media is a good, uh, but it can lead to bad things. Next, fasting protects us from heading into addiction, and it protects us from the sudden lapses of judgment that come from human weakness. It's no guarantee, but when we cultivate a life, when we, when we put reasonable restraints on the expression of our passions and our desires and our drives, we put reasonable restraints on those, right, we make it less likely right, that we might fall headlong into an addiction. Right? Addictions don't start from nowhere. People might have more addictive personalities, but addictions start because generally we start enjoying a good thing, and then over time, we have to overcompensate and overcompensate by having more and more of the thing to the point where we eventually develop something like an addiction. And so putting, putting reasonable restraints on that, right, tempering that within us, right, is one way to protect us from heading down uh, that path. Similarly, some people will do things that they can't imagine having done. Right? They, they do something that they're like, I'm, I can't believe I was even capable of doing that. 
Right? But often that doesn't start from, from nowhere. It starts because we've played with an idea. We've flirted with an idea. Right? We haven't been necessarily greatly developing a sense of self-control with our desires and our drives. And so we sort of flirt with that idea and then eventually we fall into it. So fasting is meant to cultivate within us the ability to draw reasonable boundaries, right? to draw reasonable fences around those aspects of who we are. Finally, fasting allows us to rest. Fasting allows us to rest. It is exhausting. It is exhausting to move from the saturation of one desire to the saturation of another desire. It's exhausting to move from the acquisition of one thing to the acquisition of another thing constantly and that cycle never stopping. One of the great gifts of fasting is to say, no, no, I'm going to rest. I'm going to have leisure. I'm going to draw a line here. No, I'm not going to do that. It allows us to develop a sense of being content in the present moment, that we're not constantly always looking over, right, with this, a, a sense of FOMO, right, a fear of missing out, or other things where we're like, I constantly could be doing something else. I constantly could be experiencing something else. I constantly could be being productive and doing this over here or seeking this pleasure. No, 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 I'm just going to be okay here. It allows us to rest, to be content with how things are. It's exhausting to move from the constant desire to saturate and to satisfy all of the desires that can overwhelm us. And so we've just got to draw lines, right? I'm going to say this, and I to, let me interpret it first. Students, you need to fast from your homework. Okay, now let me clarify. Okay. I mean this specifically for someone who's a total perfectionist, right? Who, who can't stop. They need, right? We need to draw reasonable boundaries on that. So you know what, I'm gonna study for three hours, that's what I think this needs, and then I'm done. Right, I'm letting go of this, I'm gonna rest. Right now, if you don't do any homework, right, it's the opposite. Right? If you always substitute going out or doing the homework that needs to be done, you need to fast from going out right? so that you can get the stuff done. But it's amazing. I talk to students who can never let go of their homework. Right? Even though they've sufficiently prepared, fasting is saying, you know what? I'm done. This is good enough. I'm prepared enough. I've done the best that I can. I'm done with this. I'm going to rest. I'm going to do all the other things that need I need to sustain a good life in terms of balance. And so we can fast from all sorts of things that can become an excessive attachment and blind us to all of the other things that are meaningful about human life. I might just tie in the gospel right at the end here, which is the transfiguration. Peter's on top of this mountain, and they're in this intoxicating environment. Is hot, where everything's just perfect. Jesus has turned dazzling white, right? Moses and Elijah and God the Father are just conversing with them. I mean, it's like, and Peter does, I think, what we would all do. Like, 
let's just stay up here forever. Let's just stay up here forever. This is amazing. This is an intoxicating retreat, mountaintop high. Peter wants to stay there. Jesus says, no, no, no. we got to go back down the mountain. Because ordinary life is not lived from going from one intoxicating high to another. That's heaven. Life on this earth is right, finding out how we can manage the goods of this earth in a way that we don't become enslaved to them. And we don't miss out on all of the other important things that the Lord has in store for us. So friends, fasting is an ancient tradition, uh, something that I think uh, we can really cultivate today to help us grow an appreciation for what we currently have, to help to develop within us a spirit of freedom and spontaneity about the present moment, to protect us from spiraling into a spirit of addiction. And also just to give us time to cut things off and to develop a spirit of leisure and rest. It's an incredible gift that Jesus lays out for us in the gift of fasting, that in saying no to something, we're actually saying yes to something much greater, that too much of a good thing can in fact be a bad thing. So let's cultivate the spirit of fasting uh, in our own lives this Lent season.